We are living in unprecedented times. No matter what industry you come from, we must all review, rethink, and reinvent ourselves. Are you an entrepreneur that is trying to adapt your business to the new norm? Well, you are listening to the 2020 Entrepreneur, a podcast that will motivate you and have you think outside of the box. My name is Hugo Almeida, and with over 30 years of being an entrepreneur, I am here to share and inspire you with my experiences and help invent a new you. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to a new episode of T20E World. This is Hugo, and today in our studio, a dear friend of mine is with me and a guest that's been on T20E World in season one more than three times, maybe four, John, right? Uh, Hugh, if I had to say, I would probably say if I got a ring each time I was here, (laughs) I would now be about equal to Derek Jeter. The right hand would be full of championship. I love it. There you go. Thank you, Johnny. And today we are going to be talking about a subject that Johnny and I have been tossing around for some time now. What is the anchors in your life? And we're going to dive into this because I'm, I've been wanting to dive into this topic for some time now. And today is that day, my friends. So listen in and I hope you really get something out of this one because this one is a deep one. So, Johnny, thanks again for coming by the studio. I love it when you're here because our conversations on this podcast, they're just awesome. And they they flow. They flow natural. They are. You know, I I have to say that anytime you call, and I said this each time I'm here, I I jump out of my seat. The hair's on the back of my neck because I I do enjoy this. But it also goes into one of the, like as we grow, we develop different passions. Absolutely. Right? And one of the passions that I have really developed in these last couple of years, really been around the help and support of other people. I love it. Right? I, I because, love it, yeah. you know, look, in many ways on the surface, I've had a very charmed life. You know, I grew up in a house with parents who loved me and, and, and sisters who loved me. I grew up in a nice neighborhood with nice schools. I was privileged with a lot of things in life. That's right. But yet at the same time, there are things internal to you. You know, things that kind of just don't seem right. That's right. And at times I wish there were periods where people would just kind of pay attention to that part of me. And what I try and do is I try and kind of pull that into, you know, to other kids now. Love that, Johnny. Love that. To all of our listeners, understand this. The 2020 Entrepreneur World Podcast. Yes, we talk a lot about entrepreneurship and business, right? Whether you're marketing, sales, whatever it may be, but we take you and share information and and life lessons that we have all learned in our corporate ventures and startups and in entrepreneurship. But we have another vertical that we love to talk about. And today is that vertical. And it's about really impacting your life with our own life lessons. And I think that is such an essential piece of that whole puzzle that completes a human that strengthens them, that also guides and explains things that they may not be aware of that can make them a better individual to be able to take on new roles, whether it's business, whether it's their personal life, whether it's entrepreneurship. So today we're talking about anchors, John, and I'm I'm fascinated. And thanks again, because this is something you and I have kicked around for a while. Today's topic is going to touch some sensitive points, and I'm so happy you're sharing your story. What is it when you talk about anchors. Yeah. Explain that to me, John. Yeah. So I will be the first to freely admit when it comes to like nautical terms, terms of the ocean, (laughs) I know jack squat, 
right? So there may be some things in here where you go, well, you know, that's not technically correct. But so I will urge anybody listening to this to work with me, right? You know, go with Uh, go with the picture I'm painting rather than the, the specific points of it. I'm with you here, bud. So Look, we've talked about this a few times on the podcast and said one day we're going to get into this. You know, it is deeply personal to me, right? Mm -hmm. And I want to make sure that, you know, I had the ability to get this out in an effective manner as well as be able to, you know, handle it emotionally correctly. So the way that I told you this story and the way that I've told others about this story is, look, through times in our life, right? From the day that we're born, through our childhood, our teen years, if left alone, right? I always say we would just be like on a dock floating in the middle of the ocean, okay? right? And we would be susceptible to any tidal influence, right? A storm comes in, the waves are bouncing you up and down. You cannot stand on that. Any change. There's no way to live like that. Well, what we do is over the course of our life, and we develop these anchors, right? And I don't mean anchors as in it's this big, heavy thing that ties you down. What I mean is they stabilize you. And the anchor is something that is tied to each of the corners of this dock, right? Sure. And it's connected to the ground, Kind right? of keeping it stable. Yes, it keeps it stable, right? So you are able to stand and thrive in your life mm-hmm. on your dock. Love it. Right? I'm, I'm with you, John. So it was at the time when I started telling the story, it was probably the best way that I can make it make sense to somebody. Some of us are fortunate to have many anchors. Some of us have a few anchors, For the sake of this story, what I'd like to talk about is let's imagine, if you can, an anchor at each of the corners of this dock, right? And it's a perfectly square dock. It's 10 feet by 10 feet. And standing in in the middle of this dock is, is us, right? It could be anybody. Sure. So, look, again, going through life and, you know, doing the things that, you know, we all do, I found myself on what I thought was the middle of a lake, no real waves, things were going along fine. And I developed this support system. I had a family that was very close to me, right? A mother who I know loved me. Absolutely. Constantly told me. A father who supported me. My father was the model of consistency. Mm -hmm. If he said he was going to be somewhere at 6.30 p.m., you set your clock by the time that his tires touched the driveway. It's 6.30. Was the first to always coach my teams. You know, I would tell my friends, and I tell my son this now, um, you know, he's played golf with me a few times. And, you know, my father taught me to golf. And one of the things that he would always say to me would be, hey, we may have played terrible, but the company was great. I love that. Right? I love it. And, you know, he would tussle my hair as I sat next to him or we walked off the last green, and I would probably be mad somehow, not doing as well as I wanted. You know, but looking back, you just knew. You just knew it that he was there for you. And I had my sisters. And on that last corner, let's say friends, right? And the friends is kind of like your social network. You know, your best friend, 
your girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, wife, depending on what age you are, right? Well, I'm going through this. I get through college. And that is when, in hindsight, I started seeing that uh, things weren't always as smooth as I expected them to be. Because, again, I was playing baseball at the time, and I don't think that I could perform to a level that was acceptable to me. School started becoming extremely difficult. And then we start developing things that I would say to help us cope through things. So I get through college. I start my professional career, and things are going great. That's when you and I first met, right? exactly. You know, I was a very social person. You know, you and I would hang out socially. But what starts happening is I start going into that next phase of my life, right? Get married, getting ready to have kids. Well, all of a sudden, what starts to happen is that first anchor starts to break loose. And for me, it started when my sister got sick. Mm -hmm. I was probably 25, uh, actually, yeah, about 25 at the time. You know, my sister had um, uh, this bronchial condition that just wouldn't clear up. I had just gotten married, got back from the honeymoon. We started realizing that, hey, listen, we need to go for some more tests on this. Or she did. So, you know, long and short of it, she finds herself in the hospital. And I'm sitting there next to her at the end of her test. And the nurse pulls me aside and says, hey, are you leaving now? And I said, well, yeah, I need to go back to work. And they're like, well, um, what time are you coming back? Now, keep in mind at the time, in because I live in New Jersey. In New Jersey, there was myself, my mother, and one of my sisters. My father had moved down south. My other sister lived up in the far northeast or the further northeast. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, listen, I can be back in like 90 minutes. And they're like, all right, the doctor wants to talk to you guys. And I realize I'm getting into a detail in the conversation, yeah. but I want to tell you why this part was important. I can be back in about 90 minutes. Sure, no problem. I get back to work and I worked 10 minutes down the road and I'm going about, you know, the next 80 minutes with no problem. Then I'm sitting at my desk and I'm looking at my clock. I'm like, oh, I got to be back at the hospital. And as I'm heading back, it starts to dawn on me. Why do I have to go back to the hospital? Now, my sister was maybe 27 at the time, 28. And I get there. And I walk in, I walk past the nurse's station. I wave hi to them, get into the room. My sister was like, hey, how you doing? Good, good. What are you doing here? The doctor asked I come back. Mm-hmm. And then we just looked at each other, and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. Now, again, this is one of those details for me, and I'm going to tell you why I think it's important. The doctor walks in and explains she has lung cancer. Hugh, I... I feel that I'm a fairly intelligent person. It floored me. Absolutely, John. It floored me. And as I'm going, he goes, um, you know, we have to do these. I'm going to paraphrase this. We have to do some additional tests. There was a whole bunch of doctor talk in there. But now, here I am, 24, 25 years old. I look at her, and I see my older sister just as silent as I am. We quickly go into that emergency mode where it's okay, what do we do? And again, that's the doctor talk. Sure. So I now need to notify my mom and I need to notify my father and I need to notify my other sister. 
who is also older. Now, my older sister who lives way up north, she was the oldest. And I'm sitting there going, I just feel like something turned in my life. So that life as you knew it, that perfect little world that you lived in now is starting to get, so that platform is starting to. you just said it, the perfect little world that I lived in. That you knew. And again, in hindsight, that was key because nobody has a perfect little world. That was your stable platform. But that was the way I saw it. Mm -hmm. Bad wasn't allowed to happen. And when it did, it floored me. Right. So I notify these people, you know, my father, my mother, my sister, and I felt my life change. Mm -hmm. I just didn't know how profoundly it would change. Now, over the course of the next seven or eight years, she was given virtually no chance of survival Mm -hmm. from day one. You know, there in hindsight, it was, hey, listen, if this doesn't work, she's got a matter of weeks now. I can tell you that there are good parts to this story, but I want to talk about the anchor. Yeah. My sister was one of my anchors. Sure. She was as much my mother as my mother. Yeah. She always took that extra interest to make sure that I had what I needed. Mm -hmm. Well, Q, that day, that anchor started falling away because it went to uh, let's take care of her. Now, she did lose her battle to cancer, Mm -hmm. but there was a very positive that came out of it. She ended up getting her cancer into remission, right? Cancer completely into remission. And again, to this day, I don't know how these aligned, but they did. She met a man knowing her condition, and he married her. You know, they had a, a very good relationship. They dated for a while, got married. Hugh, she got pregnant. Yeah. I saw. Had a baby. Yeah. Now, with all of this medication she was on, the chances of her ever doing this were rare. But she got pregnant, had a healthy baby boy. Now, I'm going to put a pin in that story. So my mom, mm-hmm. right, who, again... <laughs> We joke about this in our house, but, you know, when I say my mom loved me, it was unconditional, Hugh. I used to do some (laughs) dumb things. You know, I always had a ball in my hand. I'd run around the house pretending I was every professional athlete known to man. In fact, one of the scars I still have on my head was getting ready for dinner. I would throw up this ball, and I'd be like, three, two. You know, you're yeah. pretending to win the Super Bowl, the World Cup, the World That's Series. Right. That's right. Whatever. Yeah. And I guess that day I was going for the Super Bowl. Okay. And my mom had opened the microwave, the door, and I didn't see it. And I ran headfirst right into the door, rips the microwave <laughs> off the table it was on, yeah. dinner, the microwave, Everything. everything. <laughs> all over the floor. And I'm, I don't know, seven or eight with my hand on my forehead, stopping the blood. And she just looks at me and she's like, get up. <laughs> <laughs> I look at the dinner table. Everyone's sitting at the dinner table. I'm covered in chicken or bean, whatever we were having that night. I guess but, you didn't yell touchdown. <laughs> oh man, I didn't. But I still have this little dent, like this little hole right in my forehead. So while my sister was sick, mm-hmm. my mom got sick. Mm. 
again, she was affected by cancer. And I, I would say that my mom wasn't the healthiest person in the world, didn't sure. really take care of herself. And, you know, although that by no means gave her cancer, maybe we could have caught it earlier. But she had cancer. Now I have my sister and my mom. Mm -hmm. Now my sister's still alive. She's still fighting her cancer at this time. And my mom now has it. So we get my mom through that, but it was a lot of me picking her up, taking her to chemo, um, or having one of her friends do it, speaking to doctors, speaking to insurance. Now, when we go to the story of anchors, I had so much more weight on my back. You know, it's a 10-foot dock, Hugh, but now that 10-foot dock also has 200 pounds of other stuff. Yeah. I mean, that number of 200 pounds, She's 2, trying to balance pounds, it all. Trying to balance it all. But... It's not stable, mm -hmm. right, Hugh? It's rolling all over the place. Now, I felt it. Oh, yeah. But I didn't pay attention to it. Oh, okay. That's important. That's really important. Right. And these are the issues life life brings at you. That The pain that I felt, the anger and confusion, it was on the dock. I didn't pay attention to it. And I should have. Yeah. But again, I forgive myself for that. Yeah. What do I know? I mean, there's no written book here either, Johnny. You know, there is. You know what I mean? It's it's not like... You know, there isn't a written book, Hugh. But you know what there is? There is this. Yeah, exactly. You and I talking about this. Absolutely. I'm because, sure. look, this could happen to somebody else. It could happen to you personally. It could happen to somebody Listen, you know. I've had, you know, my anchors in my platform I stood on, and, and same thing. Those yeah. chains snapped. So I mentioned before about my sister having a kid. My sister went into the hospital just for a checkup and to meet with her cancer doctors while she was pregnant. And I remember one day getting a call from my mom saying she had a stroke. Actually, she called me at like 7 in the morning, and it was very strange for that. And all of a sudden, I heard her voice. Mm -hmm. And I just go, oh. now my mom lived on her own at the time. And I, I hung up. Actually, I kept her on the phone, used my wife's phone, called the police, got an ambulance there, got her in. She had a stroke. Yeah. Now, at that point, my mom would never be on her own again, yeah. right? Yeah. The stroke was serious, oh, right? Um, you know, she actually, there, there, it, it involved several sections of her brain, but things like walking, talking normally, reasoning, we'll go into that too. Yeah. So I remember my sister, after she visited with one of her doctors, just came in, saw my mom, and gave her a kiss on the head. And there's my sister pregnant, having beat cancer. Yeah. She is now pregnant. And my mom laying in the hospital. And I, I do remember that image. Mm. And it was it was very, like, it's like very... A foggy dream. Yeah. You know? But at the same time, it was almost like a perfectly painted image with every color under the sun. It was it's just... A room full of love. Yeah. Well... As we're going through this, um, my sister has her kid. Mm -hmm. And again, it's more stuff that's, that is sitting on my dock that I'm not paying attention to. And then uh, she has her kid, comes home a couple days later, and she's like, you know, I can't feel my legs all that well. And, Hugh, this is a matter of days. Yeah. And she's talking to her husband, and they ended up calling my wife and I one night late and said, hey, listen, can you come over and watch the baby? And watch the baby. Yeah. Um, we're going to go back to the hospital. Well, they do. 
and I get a call the next morning, the cancer's back. And at that moment, that first anchor broke. It broke. Mm. Now, what happened with that first anchor breaking, I was susceptible now to any waves, any little thing that comes on. Now, keep in mind, these anchors, they ground you. Yeah, keep you it, stable. It makes those waves in your life. And those waves and storms come about through challenges. Mm -hmm. Right, a challenge in life can make that dock bounce up and down in the water, mm -hmm. but those anchors keep it steady. Well, Hugh, that anchor broke. It broke. I felt it. Mm -hmm. I didn't pay enough attention to it at the time, but it broke. Now, those 200 pounds of other stresses I have in my life now went to 2,000 pounds. Now I have three anchors. Now, over the course of the next 18 months, my sister fights like holy hell to try and beat this. She lost her battle mm -hmm. about 18 months after that. That's a lot, yeah. That anchor was broken by then. But life doesn't stop. It doesn't. Over the course of the next five or six years, I go through this period of dealing with my mom in a nursing home, dealing with doctors, dealing with my mom going through dementia at the same time. You know, look. Oh, man. The weird thing is, is there's a few different ways to handle things like a parent or a loved one going through dementia. Sure. Right? I chose sometimes you have to look at it from the bright side. I used to try and reason with my mom. She would call me and, and tell me that, hey, uh, the, the police are here. They're here to arrest me. Arrest you, mom? What did you do? <laughs> what did you do? Did you steal somebody's ice cream? You know, granted, my mom wasn't allowed to eat at this point, but yeah. she'd be like, I snuck into a movie. Oh, oh you snuck into a movie, huh? Right? And yeah, I'm like, you yeah, didn't yeah. go anywhere, yeah. did you? And I remember one time I'm having this conversation with her, and she's like, they're here to get me. And I said, all right. And, Hugh, this is one of the mistakes I've made. I go, Mom, you love me, right? And she's like, yeah. And you remember all the stuff that we used to do together? Yeah, of course I do. Yeah. Now, granted, it wasn't this clear. My mom couldn't I, talk very well. Yeah. And I said, okay, do you trust me? And she's like, yes. I said, okay. Mom, you're at a safe place. You're at the same place you've been for years. The nurses there are going to take care of you. You're not going to be arrested. Nobody is out to get you, and you're not going to jail. And she goes, huh. And I go, if you trust me, you'll believe me. And then she looks at me, or she goes, comes back to me on the phone, and she goes, if it makes you feel better, I'll say I trust you. I believe oh, you, oh, but I don't. Oh, no. <laughs> And I just, that's when I realized there's no reasoning here. So, Johnny, this whole period of time now, how are you keeping that platform stable? Now, you've lost an anchor. When the waves get too high on one side, yeah. I run to it. Yeah. And I force it down. Yeah. yeah. I force it down by still not addressing it, not re-anchoring myself. Okay. I force it down by standing on it, beating it so into submission. So this entire time, yeah. So this entire time, you had the anchor that snapped in one corner. You're dealing with a second anchor that could possibly be snapping soon. And again, 
you're not addressing it. No. But you're just trying as hard with 2,000 pounds to just sheer keep it as will, stable as possible. Sheer willpower. Yeah. Right? And it's amazing what we can fool ourselves into at yeah. those moments. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Sheer willpower. If the waves got too high on one side, now granted, I still had my father. Yeah. Right? And I still had my family and friends. Mm-hmm. Or I should say my family as in my wife. Yeah. I had my own kids at this point. And if one side bubbled up, I pushed it down. Mm-hmm. And those are all those feelings, emotions, happiness, sadness, yeah. you name it. Yeah. Well, what started happening, Hugh, is I couldn't tell the difference anymore between a tiny little wave. And a, just a, a massive a, one. A, and a, a tsunami. Yeah. I, I couldn't tell anymore. It, it was exhausting, right? Imagine. Every day. You know, every day. One of the philosophies I ended up learning, um, and this is about the time where I really started getting into philosophy. But one of the things that I started learning about was mind like water. And what that means is having your mind adapt to things as if it's ripples on a water. Imagine this. And this is part of a meditation that I'll do, but imagine sitting beside a completely calm pond. Mm-hmm. You know, it's far as the eye can see, or it's a tiny one. There's not a ripple in the water. It's like glass. Now, reach over and grab the tiniest little pebble you can. The tiniest little one. Throw it in. How big is the ripple, though? It'll just continue. But how big is it? Tiny. It's tiny. Little pebble is the little problem. You throw it in, and you get concentric circles Mm -hmm. going away from it. Now, Pick up a 200-pound boulder and throw it in the water. Hmm. You get a bigger wave, a bigger circle, right? I couldn't tell the difference anymore between a pebble and a a mountain. I couldn't tell the difference. I think at that moment I was in 50,000 different types of pain and anger that I couldn't see. Now, Johnny... Just so that everybody understands, while all of this is happening in your life, you're still working. Yeah. You're still a husband. Yeah. I think by then you were, you were a dad. I'm, I'm a dad. You're an uncle. Mm-hmm. You're uncle to your nephew. You're trying to be a part of his life as well. And you're dealing with your mom. Yeah. Wow. It was a lot. It's a lot. It was a lot. And I'll, I'll tell you that I think... Anybody who's listening to this, mm-hmm. more than 95% of them will identify with the fact it's family. You just take care of it. Yeah. Everybody, I think, can identify with that. Absolutely. Now, it was at this time where I did eventually start to feel the cracks. And I did and still do deal with people who help me in my life, mm-hmm. right? I do have a therapist that I continue to work with because, again, I have praised therapists, effective, good ones, ones that you can trust as a great resource for personal development. I mean, look, you want to talk about personal development and professional development. I will tell you there's not much difference because you can't get good at the professional part if your personal part sucks. That's right. You can only pretend so long. So um, I'm glad you're saying this, Johnny. Sorry to cut you off, but I'm just I'm yeah. really glad you said this because many times in life, so many people hush that little piece or they just want to run away from it. Therapy 
is something that is so important. You I'll, know, I'll just, just bury, the fact I'll that just you can bury speak. myself in, yeah. my, in my work. And this is why we're talking about this platform with the anchors, because everybody listening can visualize their platform with their own anchors. Yeah. You know? So continue, Johnny. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. Well, you know, you did hit on this one part, right? And it, it's professional, personal, professional, personal, right? We may have a different mask that we wear at each of those, but they're not true, tremendously different. So we start to go through all of these different parts in my life. And as I do, right, I start to find that there are cracks in areas that I didn't see. Now, at the time, I'm, I'm still a high-achieving salesperson, which makes it very difficult for me to see these things. because Goodness, it's just the pressures alone. Yeah, because they work, right? You can convince yourself that things are working fine if you're still having success. Well, Hugh, what happened next was my sister passes away. My mom passes away, right? Mm-hmm. And I am left in a position that is not nearly as strong as I wanted it to be. Now, I tell people this. It's been, let's just say, I think my mom has, has passed. There are people who remember every single date. Mm-hmm. I'm not one of those people. It's just, it's hard yeah. for me to remember these things. Sure. My sister has been, uh, has passed quite a number of years now. My mom, let's just say five or five to seven years. It could be 10 at this point. Yeah. You know, and again, I'm just not great with dates. Hugh, I see people struggle, right? I'm 46 Mm -hmm. now. I'm not trying to say that I'm old. I'm just trying to say I have different experiences than I did when I was 20. I see people struggle with things. Now, struggle doesn't mean they're underwater. It doesn't. It doesn't mean that they're drowning. I pay attention to it. And the reason why I pay attention to it, especially the people that are close to me, is I don't want to see somebody else have to struggle the way that I did. It doesn't mean I have the answers. I don't have to have the answer for you. It means, Hugh, I love you, man. Yeah. You're struggling right now. Yeah, I'm, I, I am here if you need me. That's right. And even if it just says, hey, Hugh, I think I felt this way before you want to talk about it now let me tell you about these anchors Hugh when both of mine snapped right yeah I was lost I was lost now my dad to me was the most yeah he was an amazing man Johnny he was the most important person to me Mm -hmm. and it's still look yeah I, I feel I feel silly getting emotional over it, but but hold on, but being a dad, knowing how I felt about my dad, right, it makes, like, I'm, I'm tearing up, but I tear up because it's, it's important, and it means something to me. It's not sadness, it's, God, I love that man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I loved him. He passed. You know, my dad passed, Uh, it's going on. Jeez, uh, three or four years. Yeah. I feel so bad not yeah. knowing the exact yeah, date okay. too, yeah. but I, I have to I have to kind of compartmentalize some I of that. It. Yeah. He passed. Cancer. Guy was this guy was a freaking rock, man. I remember he that. he was never 
sick. Gets cancer, pain in the hip, lung cancer, same as my sister, dies. Now, I'm going to tell you what was different. I told my wife a million times, my greatest fear before I had kids was my dad dying. I wasn't ready for it. I'm not ready for it. I will never be be ready ready for it. Mm -hmm. That's my nightmare. Everybody has the nightmare in their head. Then once you have kids, my kid's getting sick, you know, like, or something like that happening. Like that That becomes your fear. And again, it's about how things change. I wasn't ready for my dad to die. I wasn't ready, Mm -hmm. but that didn't make any difference. When my dad died, I was broken inside. Broken up, not broken. Now here's the difference. When my dad died, that anchor didn't break. It healed. Mm -hmm. Through personal development, growth, friends, family, loved ones, helping others, helping myself, I healed, and I healed by asking for help. I need help. Hey, how did you do this? How do we do this? The other thing that helped me heal, Hugh, I talk about it. I'm an open book with you. I tell you every fear that is in my mind, things I like, things I don't, because I trust you. That's right. If I didn't, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Now, I want to tell you and kind of bring it back to this anchor. There are people who are going to be listening to this that will say, you know, I've gone through things like this, but I don't really call them anchors. I call them support beams. I call them my lifelines. Mm -hmm. I call them my bestie. I call them my sisters, my brothers. Their own interpretation, right? Yes. And that's okay. Yeah. Well, it's perfect. Yes. It's perfect. Because you have something that you can relate to. What we call them doesn't matter. Doesn't. What I found was it made me human. Yeah. Human. And anytime you feel human rather than broken, Mm -hmm. you're doing all right. Because you realize you're part of something and not a man apart. Mm -hmm. So, anchors. I didn't realize through this whole thing that I didn't need anchors. Everybody needs anchors. But as we mature, as we grow, docks need to be repaired. Foundations need to be repaired at times. I have preached in previous episodes how we have to adapt to situations. The skill you needed when you were 20 is not the skill that you're going to need when you're 40 or 50 or 60. You will have to adapt. My dock adapted. It didn't adapt in a willy-nilly way. It adapted in a healthy way because of the support that I had around me. And because of that, because of the support of others to me, it means my door is always open to anybody. As is mine, Johnny. Yeah. Hugh, I um, loved sharing this with you. Oh, my God, John. This um, is... You know, I am working on a book. I, I have to say that I'm finally at a point where it's reached a critical mass. Love it. And I will share stories with anybody. 
You and I have talked about this blog in terms of me sending my notes over to you and you posting it up. I'll gladly give this section to you as well as offer anybody who needed to, to just reach out. I don't have the answers, but it's something we can talk about. Absolutely, Johnny. Thank you so, so much. As you spoke, I just envisioned my own platform, my own anchors, you know, you talking about your family. I'm talking, I'm thinking about my dad and what we went through. And yeah, it's, um, I think you said it just right, John. It's okay to talk to people. Yeah. You know, don't necessarily when and it's you know the toughest thing is here is when you're young in your 20s you don't know any better you don't so and that's okay it's okay i used to be very angry at myself for that how did i not know these things it's okay how how could i yeah yeah so the important thing here is that i hope those that are listening really have gotten something meaningful out of you know what is your platform and what are your anchors in your life And I hope you can relate to us, you know, as we spoke and and Johnny shared his life story. And Johnny, again, thank you. I know how hard it is to talk about these topics sometimes, but thank you for sharing your anchors in your life. Yeah, I love you, man. and Love you uh, too, brother. Anytime. With that said, my friends, this is Johnny Rupert and Hugo, and we are both checking out.